This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. Praise you, Jesus. In your name, amen. Amen. Go ahead and grab a seat, everybody. If we haven't had a chance to meet yet, I just want to welcome you to New Life. My name is Kevin. I'm, I'm the lead pastor here at the church, and I'm going to guide us through our time together this morning. And I have a confession to make as we start off together today. Uh, I was in the restroom when you all started clapping during the service, and my heart sank because immediately I thought, I missed my cue to come on stage, and they're like (laughs) laughing at me, and it just, I freaked out. So I come racing into the lobby, trying to be calm, but like power walking. I must have burned, you know, three calories at that point, and I was like, oh, they're playing music. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Someone else messed up. Isn't that how we always, oh, thank goodness. It was just, it was so funny. Hey, uh, I'm so, (laughs) I'm so, it was awesome. Isn't our, aren't our worship teams incredible? I mean, I can joke with them because they're so good. I, I love our teams. They're beyond, they're beyond brilliant. And by the way, if you haven't bought their CD yet, you need to buy it in the lobby. It's so good. It is so good. So uh, anyway, if you're brand new with us, just know we're a church. We don't take ourselves too seriously. We really, we don't um, because we know that we're people. I'm not a whole lot different than you. I just happen to have a microphone today. Uh, but one thing we do take seriously is we take seriously the fact that we believe there is a great God who just loves you beyond anything you could ever imagine and has great plans for your life and great dreams and great hopes. And I want you to to do a few things just to make yourself uh, at home today and get us all on the same page. When you came in, you received a program that looks just like this. Inside is our card that says, start here. It's our connection card. And I'm not going to ask you to do anything with this until the very end of our time together, except to maybe put your name and email address on it. And if we've earned your trust over the next 35 or 40 minutes, then I'll invite you to pass this into the baskets when they're passed in a little bit. It's just simply a way to help us connect with you and help you connect with us, with the things we're doing in Petaluma. And ultimately, when the time comes that you want to connect with God, this is just a way to help us help you connect with God. And that's really why we're here. We want to help you connect with God and take your next steps of faith. So go ahead and get that card out. Uh, And then you're going to want to grab your teaching notes on here. I'm telling a a really fun story um, in the New Testament of the Bible. Fun actually might not be the appropriate word. Uh, Inspiring. Inspiring story might be the way we want to go with this story today. So go ahead and grab these notes uh, and take them with you because on the back are your life group questions. If you're in a life group, all your questions are right here. So you can take this home. You can process through it as the week goes on and then jump into your life group with that this week. Well, if it is your first time or maybe you've been gone for a few weeks traveling or uh, catching up on, on sleep or on your weekend, here's what you've missed. We are in week four of a series we're calling Greater Than, and it's kind of like you're coming in right into the middle of a movie. So I'll give you a quick synopsis, but if you want to catch up on the, on the context for the movie, you can go to our website, newlifepetaluma.org, click on the media tab, and all of the messages are right there. So you can go back, you can download them, listen to them in your car, uh, and just have a good time with that, and that will catch you up to speed. But The basic premise of this series is this. We said last week, there's not a parent in this room who wants average for your kids, who who thinks to yourself, man, I hope my kids are average in school. I I hope my kids are average at sports. I'll be really happy if they play about half the time and sit the bench about half the time. Uh, none, of, none of us who are parents want our kids to have average marriages or average careers. We want greater things for our kids than they even know or imagine. 
And in the same way, we're told over and over again in the pages of the Bible that God is like a perfect, powerful, totally present, loving, heavenly Father. Which means that if we want greater things for our kids than they could ever imagine, wouldn't it make sense that God wants greater things for us, for his kids, than we could ever imagine? That he wants to have a partnership with us where we we dream big dreams with God where we pray bold prayers and where we engage with God and partner with him and, and, and see him do greater things in our life than we could ever do on our own. And so we're on this journey. It's a, it's a prayer adventure where we're saying, God, we want to press into you a little bit more and understand what it looks like to walk with you in this life and experience with you a greater life than we could ever experience on our own. And uh, one of the things I, I want to talk about today, because I think it's a, it's a, a misnomer uh, among a lot of us in the church, especially if you were raised in kind of a, a high church background where the pastor or the priest was set apart from you in some way. I think a lot of us believe that somehow the pastor has a more direct connection to God than the rest of us. That, that maybe somehow the pastor's prayers are answered in a different way or a more unique way or a more regular way than the rest of us. And I want to tell you, nothing could be further from the truth. The truth is, my prayer batting average is just about the same as your prayer batting average. I've seen God do some incredible miracles in my life, but I've also had God not answer my prayers sometimes, or answer them not the way that I would like him to, or think that he should, and sometimes the answer is a, is a no. Sometimes it's, it's, you know, kind of ridiculous things. Like if my, if my prayer batting average was 100%, then, then we would all know, because I'm a Chicago Bears fan, that the Bears would at least make it into the playoffs every year. I'm, Listen, I'm not prideful, and I don't want to go beyond my bounds, but I at least want them in the playoffs each year. But, but, but my Chicago Bears are what and I like to call—they're uh, kind of in a, a rebuilding decade, is what my Bears are in right now. They're in a rebuilding decade. And they don't make it to the playoffs like ever, ever. So you know that God doesn't answer my prayers necessarily with more regularity than he answers your prayers Sometimes it's funny stuff like that. I remember being a kid playing second base in Little League, and I can't tell you the amount of times I prayed in the bottom of the ninth inning, God, please just strike that person out. Don't let them hit it to me. Don't let just somewhere else and get them out so we can win the game. And sometimes we won, and sometimes we didn't win. But sometimes it's, it's more serious than that. Uh, see, for me, this, this sermon today is not, it's not theoretical. And it's not borrowed experience from someone else. This, is, this hits home kind of right where I am. And if you've been around the church, you know some of my story. But if not, I want to catch you up to speed a little bit. Uh, and by the way, I just want to tell all of us right now, I, I share certain stories and tell jokes um, that affect me or my wife or our family. Sometimes I forget to mention that to her. Uh, and, and then we get, to, we get to extend forgiveness to each other. Today's story is one that she and I have talked about, and she gave me her blessing to share with our church. So in case you get that, uh, that feeling sometimes when I share stories, because you think, oh no, does Maria actually—she knows, okay? So don't worry. Don't worry. Um, Maria and I were about a year—what, a year and a half, year into our marriage, and we found out, oh, we're pregnant. Uh, boy, let me tell you, that will send you into counseling for communication quicker than anything else. It's like, oh boy, we're bringing a third into this party that's exciting. But we found out we were pregnant, and we, we actually couldn't have been more excited. We weren't planning on getting pregnant. It was like, oh, hey, <laughs> here we are. Um, but we prayed every day for that little baby, uh, and, and it, we, we were just, we were blown away by the fact that we were going to get to bring a child into this world. And, and I remember one day, 
I wasn't on staff at the church. This was about seven and a half years ago, seven years ago. Uh, but I was invited to come and preach at New Life. And I was preaching about courage. And my parents were up from Southern California watching the whole thing. And we went home and, um, and Maria started to have some, some bleeding. Uh, and so we went to the doctor and the doctor said, it looks like you're having a miscarriage right now. And man, our hearts sank. And yet we wanted to pray for a miracle. And so I remember my, my mom and, and dad and, and I and Maria gathered around, gathered around Maria and we prayed that God would do a miracle. And we prayed and we prayed and we prayed. And seven and a half months later, Maddie was born. God did a miracle. And, and it, just, it just reminded us so much how precious life is. Well, once we had one, we were kind of hooked. And so I was like, hey, let's have some more. This is, this is, this is really fun. Um, and, and by the way, guys, pregnancy, no big deal for us. Okay, so I'm like, let's do this. So we got pregnant at about the same time of year that we had been pregnant with Maddie, about a year and a half later, we got pregnant again with a second child, and we could not have been more excited. We were actually trying this time, and, uh, and we got pregnant, and we went to our, I think it was our eight or nine-week appointment, where they check the heartbeat, and they do the whole thing, and you go, if you're a new parent, you know how exciting this is. You go in, and they do the heartbeat, and you, poof, 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 poof. you see this little thing that looks kind of like a peanut, and, poof, 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 poof. and you, you're just so excited. Well, we get there, and we go inside, and and, and the nurse is doing this thing, not on me, that'd be weird, but so, and, and she, she can't find any heartbeat. She's looking around, she can't find it. And, and about a minute and a half in, we get this sinking feeling. Like, oh no. She says, well, we're, we're going to send you downstairs. Nothing to worry about. We're just going to send you downstairs uh, to a more advanced imaging machine because I'm having a hard time finding the baby. And so we go downstairs, and they look. At this point, it's been about an hour and a half, two hours, and, um, and they can't find the heartbeat. And we had, we had had a miscarriage. And that was really tough. If you've ever gone through that, or, or maybe you haven't, maybe you've, but that, that, is, that is just a, a horrible feeling. And, and I, I never knew how, how difficult that would be until we actually went through it. Um, but I started to ask the question to God, God, how come you did a miracle here and you didn't do a miracle here? God, how come, how come we, we prayed just as fervently? And actually, we're probably better equipped to be parents now than we were there because some of the questions we have when God says no is, well, is it something about me? Why did you do this? But no, we were better. We were more prepared to be parents here than we actually were with Maddie. And yet God did a miracle here. And the answer was no, here. And I want to talk with us today about what do we do, what do we do when the answer is no? Because I think for a lot of us, if we're serious about this, this, this journey with God, about dreaming big, about praying bold prayers, about really engaging with God, then at some point in our life, we're going to pray big for something, and the answer may come back no. And here's what I'm terrified for us, and here's what I don't want for us. I, want, I don't want us— subtly and subconsciously to pull away from God. Because we think the right Christian response is simply to say, well, God, uh, I'm just going to trust you. I'm just going to push forward. You must have a plan. I know you've got a plan. It's going to be okay. And suddenly we just kind of retreat back from God and we stop dreaming and we stop praying and we stop engaging and we still come to church and we still sing all the songs and we still, we still pray and we still go to life group and we still serve. And yet we have disconnected from God because we feel like I kept up my end of the bargain, God, and you 
didn't keep up yours. And what I'm praying today is that God would break something loose in some of us because we've just subtly thought that about him. That we kept up our end of the bargain and God somehow didn't keep up his. I think you won't be too far into a serious journey with God before you have questions. God, why did you, why did you not save my marriage? I prayed and prayed. I did everything I could. God, God, why did they have to die in that car accident? Why did they have to die in that cancer? Why couldn't you have healed them? God, God, why did we, why did we lose the job? Why did we lose the house? Why did we lose the 401k? God, why, why, why? It's not that we, we weren't praying. If anything, we prayed more here than we've ever prayed before, and yet the answer was still, was still no. And in the, the final week of our series, we're going to talk about what do we do when the answer is not yet, when God has us praying and praying and praying, but it's going to be a long time prayer. But today I want to talk about what do we do when the answer is, is no? What do we do with an unanswered prayer? And I want to do a couple things. I want to lay out a few, uh, just a few kind of big picture of why we see as we kind of, I'm going to do a flyover of the Bible, why God sometimes the answer is no. And then I want to talk about what do we do and how can a no actually grow our faith? How can we draw closer to God in the no instead of pulling away from God in the no? And again, I'm not talking theory. I'm talking experience. I'm talking about my life. I'm someone who has gone through a tragedy. So I want to talk about four reasons why sometimes prayers seem to go unanswered. And the first one is this. And by the way, I, I almost left this one out. I almost left this one out. I'll tell you why in a second. But the first one is this. We live in a world where the devil has limited power limited power. And here's why I almost left this out. When it comes to that topic, we have two extremes. We either see, uh, we see the devil as uh, some sexy silhouette on the mud flaps of some teenage boy's raised up truck. I know you guys, you all look away. I know, that's good. Or we think the devil is some sort of God that's on par with God, and it's terrifying. And here's what I want. I, I simply want us to have an awareness without having a weirdness. Can we do that? Can we have an awareness without a, a weirdness? There is a devil. He, he's not some, some sexy cutout on a mudflap, and he's not by any means God. He is a created thing by God who turned from God, who is the enemy of God, and he tries to, to combat in the spiritual world the things of God. Here's what Jesus said about, about the devil. He said he's like a thief who comes to steal and kill and destroy That's what he does. But I have come that you may have life and have it to the full or have it in abundance or have it in increasing measure. The devil is 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 this created thing that is at odds with God, and we see we see echoes of him all over the Bible. But the backstory is simply this: there is something in the world called sin, and sin are the things that we think or say or do that hurt us, that hurt those closest to us, and that separate us from God. And when sin entered into the world and entered into our lives, the devil got some limited power in this world. You can think of it like a battle scene. He's got some limited power in the battle. He does not win the war. If you read through the Bible, you see that God ultimately wins the war. We're going to talk about that at the end of the message. But he has some limited power, and his goal, all he wants to do with his power, is steal, kill, and destroy. Thwart the plans of God. Thwart the plans of God. So that's one reason why sometimes there's a no, because there is an enemy. There is an enemy, and he does want to do it. Sometimes he does it in all sorts of ways. I I don't want to get into it, because again, I don't want a weirdness. I want awareness. No weirdness. 
Just awareness. That's so clever. <laughs> Thank you. Here's another reason why. Sometimes, sometimes our prayers go unanswered because God has something better for us down the road. When I was in college, I prayed and prayed and prayed that God would allow me to marry my college girlfriend. We dated for almost two years. I, I was in love with her. I had all the, the feelings and emotions attached with loving her. We broke up, and I literally, I wept. I cried and begged God, God, allow us to get back together. I want to marry her. I had a whole plan in my life. Move to Southern California, become a principal, marry this girl. And the answer was No. And in the moment, I could not figure out why God was saying no to me. And then I, four years later, when I met my wife, Maria, I realized, oh, 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 because you had something better for me that I wasn't going to see for four years. I was going to do the math. I don't know how many days it is from here to here. It's a lot more than I can count on my fingers and toes. And God had something better for me here. And so he said no to me there. And sometimes I thank God for unanswered prayers. Because I remember when I'm talking to the man upstairs. Just because that's... Now, some of you have no idea what I'm talking about. Others of you, that Garth Brooks song will be stuck in your head all day. You're welcome. You're welcome. I'm here to serve. But I'm telling you, sometimes the biggest no's are actually the biggest yeses in disguise. And we, we just don't know it. So we want to zoom out and have a bigger perspective. Sometimes... God doesn't answer our prayers in order to protect us. Sometimes, God, we pray and pray, God, give me that promotion. Give me that job. I want to be there. And God says, you know what? I'm not going to do it because I want to protect you because you don't know this yet. But if you went into that job, here's what would happen. It would suck the life out of you. If you went into that job, here's what would happen. It would suck all your time away and you would start neglecting your wife and your kids and it would lead you to divorce and disengagement from your family. You don't know this, but here's what happened. If I gave you that job, here's what would happen. You would find someone of the opposite sex, and, some, and attraction would happen, and you would start a relationship there, and it would, it would kill everything that you've worked for years to build. Sometimes, sometimes God doesn't answer our prayers in order to protect us. And here's the thing. We almost never know when God is protecting us. I can't tell you the amount of marriages God has saved through this church, and you didn't even know you were in trouble. And praise God for that. But sometimes he doesn't answer our prayers in order to protect us. Sometimes God won't answer your prayer to, to well, apparently he's never answered any of our prayer to win the lottery, uh, or you're holding out on me. But he's not answering your prayer to give you a million dollars. Here's why. In order to protect you, he knows that money would be the end of you because you don't have the systems in place, the generosity in place to be able to do with that something that would bring life. It would only bring you death and isolation and you would feel like everyone's trying to take from you and steal from you and you'd close off and be by yourself and you would miss everything God had for you if he gave you that money that you've been praying for. But we don't know when God's protecting us. But God's like a perfect, powerful, present, heavenly father who's watching out for his kids. And sometimes God doesn't answer our prayer because of other people's free will. We talk about free choice or free will quite a, a bit here at the church because it is one of the greatest gifts that God has ever given, and it's the gift that God gave to every man, woman, and child, whoever walked the face of this earth. He gave us the choice to love. Free will is so important to God because without free will, we could not choose to love. We could not choose to love God, and we could not choose to love other people, and God loves us too much to force us to love him. So he says, I'm going to give you free will 
to choose to love me and to choose to love people. But that means that we can use our free will and other people can use their free will to bring joy and life or pain and death. You can use your free will to pick up a hammer and build a house, or you can use your free will to get hammered, pick up your keys, get in a car, drive, and kill a 16-year-old. It's your free will. It's your free choice. But I tell you what, if you're on the other end of someone else's drunk driving accident, the question becomes, God, why did you, why did, why did you allow my daughter to die? Why did you allow my son to die, my wife to die? And God's answer might be, might be, man, I gave people free will. And I'm grieving with you because that person chose to use their free will to do something destructive that brought death. But here's the amazing thing about God. If you take your free will and all the directions you could go and someone else's free will and someone else's and you place them on top of each other generation after generation, life after life after life, it's amazing that God holds the world together the way that he does with all of our free will. But sometimes God doesn't seem to answer prayers or the answer seems to be no. When you pray for your kids to have protection, when they go out to that party and, and anything but protection happens because of free will. And here's the thing. I, I, those are just four categories to give us some context for why answers seem to be no. And sometimes it's clear. You can look back on your life. I can look back on my life and we can see which one of those our unanswered prayers fall into. But sometimes, like with our miscarriage, you just don't know. You just don't know. I won't know this side of eternity why God chose to do a miracle with Maddie and didn't do a miracle with our, with our next. I don't know. I do know that he chose to do a miracle with Landon. And we've got two incredible kids. And, and I know that one day in heaven, I'm going to see a third. I know that. But I don't know why this side of eternity. So the question for us becomes this. We can either choose to stop praying, stop engaging with God, or we can choose to press into God in the midst of a no and ask God to do something in our lives and actually draw us close to him. And that's what God wants to do. And there's a story in the New Testament of the Bible about three siblings, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. And we're told in the story that, that Jesus loves them. I mean, really loves them. He, it's one of the few, Lazarus specifically is one of the few characters in the New Testament of the Bible where it consistently says, and Jesus loved him. Specifically. Now, Jesus loved everybody, but it actually took the time to note Jesus loved him. How would you like to be in the Bible and have it say, Jesus loved Dan? That'd be pretty fantastic. That'd be pretty, pretty amazing. And in this story, in this story, Lazarus becomes sick. And because Jesus loves him, Mary and Martha say, well, we need to send word to Jesus because I believe Jesus can heal our brother." We're going to pick up the story in John chapter 11, verse 1, where it says this. There was a man named Lazarus who was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. And to give us some context, they're taking us back. This Mary is the one, uh, this Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who had poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair, which is a big story. But the background is, man, she gave everything to Jesus. She was all in with him. She didn't hold anything back. Some of us, we don't hold anything back from Jesus. We've given it all to him, and yet sometimes the answer is still no. Verse 3, and I want you to underline this next, this next verse because we're going to come back to it. I'm going to have you underline three things. It says this, So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. Just, just 
underline that part, circle it, put, put an emoticon next to it, whatever you got to do just to remember that. We're going to come back to it in a second. Verse 4, and when Jesus heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. And I want to do a flyover because I can't read this whole story right now, but let's just, let's just zoom way out and I'll hit different pieces of it. Jesus says, this sickness will not end in death. And then Jesus waits two days before going to visit Lazarus. Two days. He just kind of hangs out. This sickness will not end in death. So what do you guys want to do today? You just want to chat? You want to hang out? Let's go fishing. I could do some pretty cool stuff with fish. He just hangs out for two days. Now, in the midst of those two days, Lazarus dies. He dies. And Jesus knows that his sickness will not end in death. He actually goes to his disciples and says he will not die. But then he goes to them later and says, hey, by the way, Lazarus is dead. And they're just scratching their heads. Like, what are you you talking about? Lazarus dies. Mary and Martha are back at home with their dead brother. And their grief is the grief that you may have experienced when you lose someone close. Just this deep, heart-wrenching, heartbreaking, what am I going to do now? My world is turned upside down sort of grief. Not only that, they've got incredible uncertainty because they lived in the ancient world where, where women who did not, were not associated with a male figure um, were very vulnerable. And there's no indication that Mary, Mary or Martha were married. And so Lazarus was their security. And now their brother is dead and they're incredibly vulnerable in an ancient world that did not view women or treat women well. And we're going to pick up the story in verse 21 as Jesus is walking down the road to Mary and Martha's house. And, and Martha hears that Jesus is coming and she runs out in the midst of her grief, probably tears just streaming down her face, stained with the dirt and the mud from the ancient dirt roads. She runs out to meet him and she says, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that, and I want you to underline this next part, even now God will give you whatever you ask for. Underline that, even now, even now, even now, God will give you whatever you ask for. Verse 23, and Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered and underlined her response. I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Those are the three things we're going to talk about today. So underline the last part. I know he'll rise again in the resurrection of the last day. Verse 25, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this. And we're actually going to stop our story right there, so I'll just give you a spoiler alert. Jesus uh, has this interaction with Martha, then he goes to the grave. He raises Lazarus from the dead. Okay, it's, it's amazing. Like four plus days later, raises him from the dead with all the smell associated with being dead for four days. Just comes out, grave clothes on, looking like a, a mummy doing, you know, some thriller, some of that. I don't know what was going on, but he raises him from the dead. But we're not going to get into that right now because Martha—yeah, yeah, yeah, that's so funny. Because Martha doesn't know that Jesus is going to raise Lazarus from the dead. She only knows her brother, who she loves, who has protected her, who has cared for her, is dead. And we see in her life three, three levels, three types of faith that I would want for each of us when the answer is no. And the first one is this. God invites each of us to have proactive faith. Proactive faith. Verse three, it says, uh, 
that they sent word to Jesus, Lazarus is sick, and they sent word to Jesus because they believed that Jesus could do something about it. Why else would you send word to him? They knew Jesus was a healer. They knew Jesus was powerful. They knew Jesus loved her. They knew Jesus was from God and connected to God. And so in their proactive faith, they said, send word to Jesus. If anyone can heal our brother, Jesus can heal our brother. And listen, it takes faith to pray for God to do miracles. It takes faith, proactive faith, believing that God actually can do something, that God can intervene with this everyday world. It takes faith to believe that God can heal someone of their sickness. How many times have you found out someone has cancer and you say to them, man, I'm going to be praying for you. And something in you wants to pray that God would heal them, but part of you thinks, I don't know if God actually can do that. So do I, do I even pray that God could do it? So what, what do we do? We say, I'll pray for you at home. Okay, I'll pray for you at home quietly because I don't want to take the risk of praying for you out loud because it takes faith to believe that Jesus can heal someone. It takes faith to believe that God can give you the job that you've always dreamed about having and take the steps to pursue that. It takes faith to believe that God can use you in ministry, in your community, in your neighborhood, at work. Look on the walls next to us. I don't know if you can see these, but I've got our church's big dreams up on the wall. Because we believe that God loves our community so much that he wants us to be a church that is reaching our community that would, would do anything anything short of sinning to reach the men and women of Petaluma and Sonoma County because God loves our community. And so one of our big prayers is that God would use us to reach 800 people by the end of this year. That's a big prayer. That takes big faith because, listen, no church has ever done that, to the best of my knowledge, in Sonoma County, grown by like 230 people in one year. And we don't want to grow for growth's sake. We believe that, that everybody matters, that God loves every single person in our community and wants to reach them. It takes faith. It takes faith to believe that we can become the most generous church in Sonoma County. That's a big prayer. It takes proactive faith. It takes faith to believe that God actually has the perfect children's pastor for us to hire this year, but we're praying that he will. And I'll share a little more about our our journey right at the end of our time together. But it takes faith to do that. It takes faith to believe that God can can transform our campus into something that could be even more beneficial, even more uh, powerful for him. It takes faith. It takes faith. Here's what I love about us. If you look on these two walls back here, you'll see almost 500 cards of people who said, you know what, for the next 40 days, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to forego, I'm going to fast from something. For me, it's social media. For some, it's desserts. For some, it's buying things. For some, it's listening to the radio in the car. I'm going to fast from something, and I'm going to pray proactively for two things. One, for God to do something in my life or my family or my work, and then two, something for our church. Church, this is what I love about us. 500 of us, are you kidding me? praying proactively. Do you know the kind of faith it takes to pray proactively? And we're doing it, and we're doing it. And Martha had proactive faith, and God wants us to have proactive faith. But the next type of faith, and the next two types are actually reactive, not proactive. Proactive is the first level. The next two are reactive. God invites us to have eternal faith, eternal faith. In verse 23, Jesus says, your brother will rise again in, in Martha says, I know he's going to rise again in eternity, in heaven, someday, on the last day. I know he's going to rise again. She's got eternal faith that even though that this world ends here, even though the mortality rate, the last of my, my uh, calculations still hovers right around 100%, even though, okay, okay, that God will actually do something great in eternity, that, that we'll actually be reunited with our loved ones in eternity. It's eternal faith. That's where we put our hope, that this world, while sometimes the days seem long, 
man, the years are short compared to eternity. This is a blip on the screen compared to eternity. And it takes faith to believe that in eternity, God's going to make all of the wrongs right. That he's going to answer all the questions. Or it might even take faith to believe that I won't even have those questions when I get into heaven because I will be so amazed by the greatness of God that the questions that I thought were so important now will fade away into the background. It takes faith. Here's what we're told about eternity. In Revelation chapter 7, 17, Jesus is, or is, uh, is talking about people who have been killed for their faith, but truly this story uh, is for anybody who has lost a loved one. This verse is probably for you. It says in Revelation seven seventeen, on that day when we enter into heaven, on the last day in eternity, God will wipe away every tear from every eye. And when, we, when the answer is no, and especially when the answer is no, when it comes to loss, the cancer ended in death, the child was never born, the car accident was fatal, it takes eternal faith to know that even though I'm grieving today, God will do something great on that day, that he can redeem on the last day. That's what we sing about. That's what we talk about when we say God is greater. When we say, when we celebrate communion and say Jesus overcame death, we're saying we want to have eternal faith. And the third type of faith is this. It's even now faith. Even now faith, which believes that God's at work and he'll work it out. He will work it out. Verse 22 Martha said, my brother is dead, but even now, God can do a miracle. Even now, even though he's dead, even now, God can do a miracle. This kind of faith, this even now faith, looks at the death of a dream and refuses to believe that the death of a dream is the end of a story. This kind of faith refuses to believe that the, that the end of a marriage is the end of my life. This kind of faith refuses to believe that, that, that tragedy has the final word, but it believes that that even in tragedy, God can bring beauty. Even now, faith believes that even in pain, God can bring healing. Even now, faith believes that God's at work and God can work it out. One of the verses that God has just impressed on my, on my, my heart, that's just kind of a life verse for me that I always remember, is Romans chapter 8, verse 28. It says this, We know that in all things, in everything, in all things, God is working and he's working for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Not that God causes all things, but that God causes all things to work for good. That he can redeem, that he can restore. Remember, that the goal of prayer and fasting over these 40 days, for those of us who are on this journey, is not that we would, we would give something up for 40 days. That's not the ultimate goal. The ultimate goal of prayer and fasting it's not that actually we would get a, a miracle from God. He's not a vending machine that we put quarters into, put prayers into, say, well, if I don't have sugar, will you give me? That's not the way God works. The goal of prayer and fasting is to engage with God. And every time we would, we would choose to normally do that thing, instead we engage with God in prayer. And we pray around the thing that we're fasting for. But the goal is to engage with God, to grow our faith, to get a deeper understanding of him, that, that he's at work and that he'll work it out even if it doesn't look like he's going to, even when the answer is no. And I want to close with one story that I love that kind of uh, expounds on this, and then I'll, I'll, sh I'll shut up. Uh, I'll close our time together. I have some friends, 
And, uh, and they, they spent years trying to get pregnant. Years. By the way, I have their permission to tell the story as well. Years trying to get pregnant. Couldn't, couldn't, couldn't. We're talking eight, nine years. Finally, they thought, well, I guess we're not going to get pregnant. And then they got pregnant. And then they got pregnant again. And they had two kids, two, two great kids, two great boys. But she felt like, I don't think we're done yet. And he felt like, uh, you're crazy. So, so here's what they decided to do, my friends. They said, you know what? It's October now. And I think they said till March, like October 2nd to March 2nd. Um, she said, I just feel like God has more kids for us. He said, I don't, I don't think he does. I don't know for sure. They said, well, let's just do this. For the next five months, let's just not try not to have kids, if you know what I mean. Let's just not try not to have kids. And they, they did. They just, you know. And they got to the end of that. Okay, keep going. Track with me. Come on, we're all adults here. This is not seventh grade sex ed class, people. They got to the end of that five months, and he scheduled a vasectomy because that was the deal. At the end of this five months, baby, that, that baby is, clo- that door is closed. So, so he schedules the vasectomy for a month later, because you can't just go in a month later. And uh, he goes in on a Monday, but on that Sunday night, they thought, well, we just love each other so much. Dot, dot, dot. A month after the vasectomy, a month after, she calls him up. Says, honey, you need to come home from work. And, and don't kill me. Don't kill me. Don't be mad at me. He comes racing home from work. She says, remember, remember that Sunday night before that Monday morning? Uh, it took we're pregnant. Surprise! <laughs> and here's what she told me afterwards. And he, he just told me this again yesterday. And, and they had a, a third boy. So not only three kids, three boys. Like, God has a great sense of humor. She said, she said you know what? I believed. Even at the end. I, I didn't actually at the end know that God was going to give us a third child. I kind of thought that door was closed. But I believed that somehow God was working and God was going to work it out. And I just felt peace about it, that God was going to work it out. And then God worked it out. Because here's the deal. God causes all things to work together for good. Sometimes it's the no's. Sometimes it's the delays. Sometimes it's the unexpected. Man, some of you are sitting here and you're in the midst of unemployment and you don't know what God's going to do. And I just want to encourage you. God's at work and he can work it out. He can work it out. Some of you are here and you're single and you think, I'm never going to get married. And, and that just eats at you. And I want to say two things. One, singleness is not a curse. Singleness is a gift. And you're not half of a whole before you get married. You are a whole. Can my married people just give me a little bit of a cheer for our singles in the church right now? Because there's some horrible stuff in the church that says you're only half of a whole until you get married and nothing could be further from the truth. In fact, the Bible leans towards singleness, if you want to be honest, as much as it does towards marriage. But some of us just think, man, I just want to get married. You have this deep longing. You don't ever know if you will. I want to tell you, God's at work, and he'll work it out. He will meet that longing for community somewhere. Maybe it's in marriage. Maybe it's somewhere else. He will meet that longing. He's at work, and he'll work it out. He'll work it out. Imagine if we grew in our our belief in God, our faith in God, to say, you know what? Even when the answer is no, even when I don't see God at work, even when it seems like all things are pointing this direction, even when I'm staring down the face of adversity, even when, when there's tragedy looking him in the eye, and, and, and by the way, we should still grieve that tragedy. It is okay and appropriate. The worst thing we could do is stuff it and pretend like it's not there. But even in the midst of tragedy, even when the answer is no, imagine if our faith grew that we knew at our core, even today, God's at work and he'll work it out. Imagine how it would change your life. And here's how we know that God's at work, and here's how we know that he'll work it out. We celebrated communion a few minutes ago. And communion is the final word. 
When Jesus died on the cross, everyone thought the dream was dead. Everyone thought that God had died. That was a Friday. And on Sunday, Jesus rose from the dead. And he broke the power of sin. And that thing that seemed like the biggest no become the greatest yes in the history of the world. Where Jesus broke the power of sin and death and destruction and made a way for us to know him. It looked like a tragedy, but God was at work and God worked it out. And if you're here today and you don't yet know Jesus, you've never entered into a personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ, I need you to know the final word is that God is always at work and he will work it out. And he's actually made a way for you to come and have a relationship with him when Jesus didn't just die on a cross, but rose from the dead to show you that God is always at work and he'll always work it out. And I'm going to pray right now and give you a chance, if you're ready to say yes to Jesus, to commit your life to him, to start a relationship with him, you can pray a simple prayer of commitment and start this journey with a God who loves you more than you could ever imagine. So join me. Let's pray together. And if you're ready to pray, I want you to know God loves you and he's been waiting for this moment. He's just inviting you to come into a relationship with him. He wants to forgive you of your sin and draw you to himself. And you can pray the simple prayer after me. Just repeat these words. Say, Lord Jesus, I believe that you love me. And I believe that you gave your life on a cross to pay for my sin. And I believe you rose from the dead. Today, I say yes to you. So would you come into my life? Would you forgive me of my sin? Would you fill me with your Holy Spirit? Would you show me what it looks like to walk with you every day from this day forward, even as I walk into eternity? I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And if you prayed that prayer, I'm so happy for you. I have been praying for you all week long. And I want you, if you do something for me, I want everybody to grab this card that says start here and flip it over. And on the back, it says, I want to apply today's teaching by, and the first one is this. If you prayed that prayer with me, if you started a relationship with God through Jesus, would you mark down your card so that I can pray for you by name, so that we can email you and get some resources into your hand to guide you on this journey? Would you just do that? And then the next one is this. Uh, for, For some of us, we might have an area in our life where we want to start exercising one of these three types of faith. Proactive faith, looking forward, saying, I believe God actually can do something there. God might want to grow your faith there. God might want to grow your eternal faith. Maybe you've lost a loved one and you just, you're just hurting about that. And God wants to grow your eternal faith and give you peace about that. For some of us, it's even now faith. You might be in the midst of a no and you don't know what's going to happen, but you, even though it's a no, there's still a dream there and you believe God has something greater for you or something more for you. Maybe you need to pray some even now faith. If that's you, would you mark that so that we can be praying for you this week? So we can be praying for you because we love to pray for you. Would you also write prayer requests or answer prayers on there? We would just love to be praying for you. In just a second, some baskets are going to be passed, and you can drop that card into the baskets when they're passed. Uh, We're also going to be receiving the tithes and offerings in just a minute. So if you came prepared to give, you can put your tithes and offerings inside this envelope and drop it in the basket as well. And then there's one third thing I want to alert your attention to. In the seat backs in front of you, uh, there are those prayer cards that look the same, but they're different. This one says, update your status. Maybe there's something that's been happening in your 40-day prayer and fasting journey. You want to update your status. There's been a change. You have nuance in prayer. Uh, You've seen God answer something. Update your status. This is like the greatest thing ever. I promise I will, I'll like it if you update it. So go ahead and, um, and do that. And then you can drop those cards in the basket as well when they're passed. Um, so go ahead and finish getting that stuff filled out. And I do want to highlight one more thing. I love, love, love our community-based life groups. I just love them. 
Life groups are gatherings of small groups of people that are, um, that are message-based. They talk about the message from Sunday. We dig in even deeper, and they have a community focus. That means that we engage in friendships and community, because as our church grows, it's so important that we have real, authentic friendships. God designed us for that. And, um, and so one of the things that I want to talk to you about is if you've ever considered being a life group leader, like something in you to say, well, that could be kind of fun. It's message-based. They give me all the questions. They give me all the material. I could kind of, I'd like to lead a discussion. That'd be kind of fun. Or maybe you think that would really stretch me. I, I don't know if I could do that. Um, I want to, to tell you about something. It's a no strings attached, life group leader, Q&A orientation type thing. And it's two weeks from today. It's going to be March 22nd during the 10 a.m. service. So you can come to first service and then go across the lobby into that classroom, most likely, uh, and um, at second service. And you can just ask life group questions. Our life group's Pastor Angela will share the vision for groups and what your place could be. You could do all that. So if you've considered doing that, if that's something you might want to do, even if, even if you're just like, oh, I don't know, that's terrifying, but, but okay, maybe, maybe. Mark down on the bottom of your connection card, uh, mark down life group orientation on the very bottom, and that's it. You're signed up for that meeting, and we'll contact you about that. But just mark that down, because I want to meet with maybe, or Angela will meet with maybe 10, 15, however many of us God, God calls us to, uh, to do that. I think it's going to be very fun. And that would be for our spring life groups, which would run from after Easter till the um, end of the school year, basically. So it's not even through the summer, just for that session. So go ahead and mark that down as well. I'm going to pray, then we'll pass some baskets. Lord Jesus, thank you for this opportunity to practice generosity to give graciously to the things you're doing. And thank you that we get to come and partner with you and that through uh, this generosity, you can do even greater things as we partner collectively in our generosity than we could ever do individually. We pray in your name, amen. Those baskets are being passed. You can drop in your connection card, your tithes and offerings, your, your uh, update your status, prayer cards. Uh, and um, I guess listen to me because I just want to share a little more because why not? Um, you know that we're looking to hire a children's pastor, and I'm really excited about that. We, we said, hey, we want to be the most generous church in Sonoma County. We'd like to have a million dollars in general giving. That means we could do a whole bunch of stuff. But we even said, we said um, if, we, if, we, if we brought in a certain amount of money, which we think we could do conservatively, we can hire a children's pastor. So I've started the process of looking to hire the best children's and family pastor we can. And we're going through with a company who's going to help us find the best four or five candidates from around the country because our kids and our families deserve the best. Um, and so they're going to start doing some searching for us, looking at churches, uh, getting the best candidates, and then bringing them to us rather than us just flying it open, which I think is going to be great because they'll give us the top quality candidates. But that process is going to take four to six months, most likely, to get the right person. So I just want you to know we're we're walking that journey out, but it's going to be a while before we see some outcome. I'll keep you updated as time goes on, but I wanted to share that with you because I think it's going to be a great thing for our community. Hey, God bless you guys. Have a great day. We'll see you back here next time. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.